record. Alright. You recording? Cool, dude. Internet's back. Yes, I'm recording. Internet's back. It's going good. No, you pixelated as a motherfucker, but that's okay. Dude, come on. It can't be me. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Let's just try to do this. All right. You just cut sometimes. You cut sometimes. That was so delayed. Bro, your internet's a potato. How how is it just now a potato? It's worked perfectly fine forever. Now it's a potato. I, hey, I don't know. You download a lot of stuff. You should be downloading. Maybe I don't know. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> You're spot on with that. <laughs> hey, no way. It's me. I live in the all right. I live let's... In the biggest city in the fucking United States. Can't be me. Anyway. All right. Ready. The Naphtapod is back once again. Are we better than ever? In some respects, yes, because the two originators are back on the podcast, Michael and myself. Not only are we the two originators, but Michael, let's be honest, Man City, Liverpool, really the only two teams that matter when we're talking about you know games in week in, week out. <laughs> uh, but are we back better than ever? Not really. The internet's been an absolute crock of shit, so we're going to see how far we can get and what editing I have to do afterwards, but uh, how was your weekend, dude? Uh, I studied for three straight days for an exam I took this morning. Uh, Took the exam, did pretty well, I think, then took a three-hour nap, and now I'm here, so I I feel energized. Absolutely, you know? I feel good. I love to hear it. We don't we don't get to sit down and talk like this enough, just you and me. So I'm I'm pumped for for this week's episode. My weekend was great. We had our festivus. I hit multiple gritties. I did multiple pulls of Hennessy from the bottle. Um, and I've come to realize that I actually I can't get drunk anymore. Drinking is a roller coaster to me that I only go to the top and I never come back down. What is ha- as we're on this podcast, and, and Dylan knows we're on this podcast, we get a FaceTime call from him. I, had, I didn't even know that was him. I don't know why he just called did us. Did you, by the way, shout out Dylan? Did you did you do the the iPhone update? Uh, I think so. Yeah, it's trash. Yeah, with the, the internet FaceTime goes at the bottom now. Like I can't even see you know who it is. It says Dylan Tucker. Mine doesn't say that, so I got to figure that out. My my damn iPhone dude, is. that's tough. My, buns my like my inter- like my internet michael's internet's buns my iphone's buns let's let's stop pushing it off let's get into some topics of this week uh, i do want to start off this first and foremost we, we don't have all the we don't have all the facts and i think that makes for the best topic to podcast about obviously but this tottenham situation with covid and now i think man united has a bunch of people with it uh what the fuck i mean do you do you want me to to be the sacrificial lamb here or i think longtime listeners know that this soccer podcast was honestly just a gateway drug into you and i having a political podcast where we (laughs) we live in our own bubble but uh dude it's 
it's insane. How how is this going on? How are how are they not vaccinated? Um. Well, here. Okay. So we don't know anything. So let's let's go. Let's tackle this in the guys that we don't know fucking uh, anything about it. In in the most perfect world, they're all vaccinated, and these are all just breakthrough cases. Yeah. This also could be the Omicron yeah. variant, potentially, because they don't know how the vaccine protects against that. Um, do I think that's likely? Absolutely not. Do I think they're just unvaccinated? Like a good portion of them, probably. Yeah. Um, it. I, I'm a. I'm a firm believer in that people had to sit in their house for you know 18 months and not do shit, and now we have this thing that allows you to go outside and do stuff as long as you have it. And I think those people who have it should be allowed to do stuff. And the people who don't, sh- there should be some sort of, I don't know, incentive to get it th- so they can do stuff or, you know, whatever. And I think that applies to everybody of every sport, of every, you know, a restaurant, a job, whatever. I think you should have to have it if you want to go do shit. Yeah. I I saw a TikTok that, um, like, perfectly kind of summed up how fucking crazy the world is it was a nurse and a doctor talking to each other like a doctor that's in charge of administrating the hospital essentially and the nurse was like i'm exhausted we've been dealing with this for over a year i'd love to get 20 to 30 dollars more per hour uh and the doctor is like we can't do that we can't afford that so then the nurse is like all right i quit and then the nurse comes back as a traveling nurse that goes to different hospitals who need, you know, more people. And they're like, all right, we'd love to hire you. What's your rate? And they go, it's 20 to $30 more per hour than it was before. And then the doctor goes, what about $50 per hour more before? And they go, yeah, perfect. And then it just pauses and goes, how does this, any of this make sense? Like, it's just well, a not, crazy world. Yeah, dude, listen. Uh, I mean, we're recording this on mo- Monday, December 13th. And we just had, again, a vaccine this year that, you know, potentially saved millions of lives. We had a number of things uh, that really do uh, warrant, you know, some sort of praise on maybe even a national level or a global level. And uh, Elon Musk, one time person of the year. <laughs> so, I mean, our, our world is literally just fucking crazy. Like, such in, literally insane. Such a good point. Such a good point. Also, speaking of things that do not make sense, not only did Dylan FaceTime call us during our recording, he has sent us a audio message for the joke that he wanted us to send. So I guess we're going to figure that out at the end of this. Um, Absolutely. We need a joke. So We do need a joke, uh, but Dylan, the text form would have sufficed just as well. All right, let's get into <laughs> the week. First game that we are going to be talking about, Brentford, Watford, um, if, if people haven't, aren't, weren't listening and haven't paid attention, this was a good week in predictions for the boys across the board, but especially for Nick, yes. Nick Tucker, which we'll get into, um, a little bit later. I myself thought that I was starting a undefeated week for the longest time, only to have my absolute heart ripped out by the bees. Uh, Brentford two, Watford one, uh, Watford went ahead in the 24th on Emmanuel Dennis's goal, assisted by Tom Cleverly. Uh, and then Brentford stormed back, powered back, won the game in the second half, a goal in the 84th minute by Pontus Jansen, and then a uh, 90th minute penalty 
by, I always fuck this dude's last name up, but it's Brian Embuemo. Is that correct? You always correct me on this one. Yeah, I think it's Embuemo. Embuemo. Uh, penalty gives yeah. the Bees the 2-1 win. Yeah. Um, I mean, you basically had this perfect until uh, the 84th minute. Uh, and and Jansen or Jansen, I'm probably I'm pretty sure it's probably Jansen. Uh, Jansen scores that scores that header and it doesn't even get the ball. Like he doesn't get the ball, doesn't celebrate. Just says, "Let's fucking go." Yeah, we're winning this goddamn game because they were knocking on the door the entire second half and honestly probably some of the first. Um, I think Watford just got way too complacent with a one one zero lead. Yeah, I mean. Watford is going to play a 1-0 lead like we're we're going to be happy with a 1-1 draw. I think they also got tired. Yeah, but I think that kind of goes into it. When you're defending nonstop for an entire half, you're going to get tired. Mm-hmm. So I think mm-hmm. if you want to give yourself some kind of cushion, this is how I think all these teams should play. I, I, I personally think, like, Watford, I think their best players are on, on offense. I think their defense isn't very good. Um so I think they, they just need to play into that, and Ranieri's kind of plays into the offensive game as well. Yeah. I think they just need to try to put two or three past them, and if they draw 3-3, three, three, they draw. And if they lose 6-3, to three, they lose. But this, I feel like this is worse. I feel like this is heartbreaking. Yeah, I, I think this definitely like fucks up the psyche and fucks up the motivation uh, and momentum that a team could have when you lose like this, as opposed to how you said, like, no one wants to lose 6-3. No one wants to lose by three goals. But, like, when you just get beat, I actually think it's not as bad as when you feel like you're going to pull off a win and then it gets just ripped from your fucking dead hands. Um, I was listening to a, to another podcast, uh, and one of the interesting takes that they had was Brentford goes into every game, like, uniquely. Like, you know how most teams have a game plan, and this is how they play, and this is how they approach every game? They were really talking about how Brentford's coaching staff adjusts every game a little bit differently, whether that be formation, whether that be who's holding, who's moving, who's where. Um, And I think that's not a foreign thing to us Americans, because, like, every NFL coach does that, every NBA coach does that, but, like, to hear someone who probably knows more about soccer say that about them was, was really interesting to hear, but they're, they're fun to watch. They're well, awesome. I, I'm so glad they're going to stay up. Yeah. And I, th- I think, I think too, like you can, you can get into that argument about how much you want to change and how, what is the, the risk reward? How does changing your tactics from like, you know, your best, to maybe uh, cater to like the the team you're playing. Mm-hmm. When does it start to actually affect you and you not be able to play well? Like for instance, the way they played against us, it was the two striker system, and they killed us on it. Mm-hmm. And that was because we didn't know how to defend it. Um, and I think, I think that's probably their best system, and that's why it was such a tough matchup for us because their strength against our weakness. You know, we we're we're going to score goals, but we also let in three. So I think they're, I, I think. I don't want to toot our own horns here, but I think we were dead on right at the beginning of the year when we said that they're the best promoted team. Yeah. And they came from the playoff. Yeah. 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 And I think now it's just not even close. Like, now it's just... Yeah. yeah I, um, also... I mean, your other, option, or your other option is Norwich, so... Yeah. Also, uh, big key point. 
great win. I know it's Watford, but great win when Ivan Tony's out with COVID and he's he's yeah. your best player. Like, uh, yeah, just all just a, all them too. Just a great win. Um, early game on Saturday. Obviously, Dylan's not here on the pod to discuss with me, uh, but City won, Wolves nil. Uh, City with a Raheem Sterling penalty goal in the 66th is the difference on the scoreline. Big news out of this one will be the absolute like shambolic, which I know is a big British word, but uh, shambolic Raul Jimenez red card right before half, which in all essence just made this game totally different. Um, and then the secondary thing will be the penalty awarded to City was just not a penalty. Uh, this is the seventh game in a row that Wolves plays City so well and so dangerously that I hate every time this fixture pops up. Um. So if you want to go... If you don't want to use shambolic, you could just use embarrassing. Yeah. I mean, embarrassing red card. Yeah. And, you know, it's not like that was Fabio Silva for Wolves, like a 19-year-old or whatever. It was literally Raul Jimenez, arguably the best player in Mexico. I don't know if he's the captain or not, but he's definitely one of the people, like one of the players they look to and mm-hmm. stuff. I mean, completely ridiculous. Um, I will say, this is the kind of stuff I like to look at, too. And I'm not a huge like X, XG guy or anything, but your your first half XG was 0.38, and then your second half was 2.41. Yeah. And granted, there there is a penalty in there which was 0.79 of your second half, but like it was a really tight game. Um, and you guys had the ball the whole time, but and we're getting like some opportunities, but nothing like clear cut. In that second half, you guys just—I mean, you—you you were gonna score. This this game in the first half looked like every other City Wolves game, where it's City holds court, holds possession. Um, Wolves defend the Wolves outside of City, Chelsea, Liverpool, like the three teams actually competing for the title. They have the best defense. When we were just when we were just talking a minute ago about like Watford has good offensive players and not great defensive players, most teams that are outside of that top six have that because defensive players are so expensive and so hard to find quality with. Wolves right. is like the opposite right now, where it's like Jimenez is great, but like we've chronicalized the Traore like just absolute ridiculousness yeah. this year, where you know whatever. Um, their defenders are it's it's a wonder they're not sold yet. Like it makes no sense. But yeah. what I was gonna say is this game looked like every other Wolves City game where I'm just sitting there hoping we can score and then in like the seventy eighth minute Traore would, would blow a defender off the ball and sneak one past Ederson and then we would lose. Like that's how I felt the entire time. Right. Well that that's always the the risk too, because that's exactly how I felt too is that we were dominating the game so much that but there was still that possibility and it wasn't like you know a freak possibility it was a real possibility that they could score on a break Mm -hmm. and then you're just like wow we went from being upset about a draw to now i i want to draw so bad because we're down one goal uh and in both cases i mean you know they had to sub off uh nori for us and 
that's where we scored our goal. And then, you know, down to 10 men and a, a very questionable penalty. Oh, um, not even questionable. I don't know. I was listening again to another podcast. They said that he didn't even go look at the monitor, which is yeah. unforgivable. But but that that's also that's also kind of on the VAR VAR people oh, because they're telling him yeah they're telling him not to go look at the monitor thousand percent thousand percent it or 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 at least they're saying like you you know you don't have to go look at the the monitor because if they thought it wasn't they would have said go look yeah it it definitely in my opinion and I'm biased it definitely didn't hit his arm. And if anything, I thought it hit his body and then maybe hit his underneath of his arm. Oh, that's the thing I wanted to say. Do you remember? Um, it was a game that we tied like two years ago, but Famino scored like the winning goal and his armpit was offside. Mm-hmm. And that was like the big deal. Mm-hmm. Like, how can he score? So, how could he score with his armpit? But then if it hits the Wolves guy armpit, it's a penalty. Yeah. Because then that would mean that you can't score with it. Yeah, exactly. And, and I'm pretty sure the rules have changed, but it shouldn't change like to that degree that that would be a different different call it's just kind of like the same inconsistency well that's that's the thing they want to they want to implement a system so that there's consistency across the board and we have just seen that it is only consistent with who is dictating what like how what right. it means like it's it's literally just giving those same referees that have faults like the ability to relook at something and they're still going to show their opinion um well, and the other thing too is they they want to try to take away the initial call mm-hmm. to some degree that if you make the initial call and it's wrong, you can change it. But I that's why I hate the clear and obvious thing because if you if you really think it's a different a different outcome from the call you made, then when you go look, you should just be able to say, oh, I got that wrong, or maybe it's not clear and obvious, but now I'm looking at it and I think. I shouldn't have given a penalty. Like they should just be able to re re referee that. I think the clear and obvious thing is yeah. so stupid. Yeah, agreed. Uh, not a penalty. Um, we 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 didn't touch on it as much. The the Jimenez red card should not have like. Again, you made a great point. If it's Fabio Silva and he's eighteen years old, maybe there's a little leeway there where you're like, ah, he's not mature. This is a yeah. seasoned veteran doing just the stupidest shit ever. Um, and then I can't believe the Wolves fan like fans like applauded him afterwards. It was insane. Um, and yeah. then the only other point I had is for our group chat, uh, Jack Grealish missing a sitter is going to be tough to defend for the rest of this week. So um, Yeah, pretty bad. Really all I had. But City 1, Wolves nil. it's always good to come away with three points when I play the Dylan Tucker Wolves. Um, Arsenal 3. Southampton nil, goals from Lacazette, Martin Odegaard, and Gabriel really just gloss over the fact that uh, Mikel Arteta had to make a really tough decision and bench their uh, captain Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang for violating team rules. Uh, This is one of those games where Arsenal literally just confuse us even further because you want to go big on them, say that they're actually really, really good, whereas I I just personally think Southampton's not that great. Yeah, I don't think Arsenal's that good. I know you don't. Well-documented. Well-documented on this podcast. (laughs) We know that you and Nick are, yeah, we get it. Um, I I think they played well. I think their first goal was incredible, playing out from the back, Mm -hmm. actually almost 
you know, got stolen off of Ramsdale, and then they scored the goal, and he, you know, had a huge celebration because, like, it kind of started with him, you know, like kind of like how you guys score your goals as well, mm-hmm. which maybe is some uh, some foretelling of where Arteta's going to be right, in a couple relax, years. Relax. Uh, <laughs> um, but the other goal was just like Southampton, second goal, Southampton just didn't defend. Mm-hmm. And then the Gabrielle goal, again, like just a set piece. He's pretty big, heads it through. Or I don't know if he headed it or put his laces through it. I can't remember. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, they beat Southampton. Like, Southampton didn't have either of their keeper. They signed Willie Caballero. They didn't have Che Adams. Mm-hmm. Uh, if Arsenal didn't win, it would be more of a story than them winning. Yeah, exactly. Southampton is sitting in 16th right now for a reason. Um, I totally agree. I I really want Martin Odegaard to be good. I don't know why. I just really like him. I'm glad. I don't know either. I'm glad he got a goal. Like I think he's kind of cool. Like whatever. He's a Madrid guy. Yeah, I know. Um, other thing I wanted to say, Ramsdale, and 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 I w- I wanted to bring this up because in the in the words of Kendrick Perkins, I also want to give Jose Sa his flowers as well. Uh, <laughs> I Ram- love when he says that. <laughs> Ramsdale and Sa over the past like four weeks, just the two best keepers maybe in the in yeah. league. It's it's crazy. I'm. I was just gonna say I actually saved it for after this because I want to talk about both of them. Um. You get zero points from two games, and you give up two goals. And they were both goals, like, after, what, the 70th minute mm-hmm. of the game mm-hmm. for Jose Saw. And Ramsdale, I mean, he just makes unreal saves. And that's the thing with him is Arsenal win games because they're, they're good enough to win games like this for sure, and they're bad enough defensively that he's going to get opportunities to make big saves. Okay. I think I think by the end of it all, I think he's going to be the best keeper in the prime. Keeper. Because I think— He'll win your keeper corner this year. Yeah, because I think I th- I kind of am doing it by, like, you know, from the last time I, I did it to the next time, like, how good were they? And, I mean, Mendy, I don't know what's going on with him. He looks terrible right now. Um, but Ramsdale, I think, is just too too good of a shot stopper. Yeah. And too athletic to, like, Super be. athletic. Yeah, he's crazy. Super he's crazy athletic. athletic. Um, um, and Jose saw too. I mean, he's just huge, though. So And, and again— Long-time listeners will remember, Jose Sa wasn't really getting Dylan up in the morning when they found out they got him. He was still on that Rude Patricio yeah. bandwagon, so, you know. I mean, to be fair, Rude Patricio, Rude Patricio, pretty good-looking guy. I would be on the bandwagon, too. So. That's why That's why Dylan's girlfriend has a Patricio jersey. Um, yes, Chelsea absolutely. 3 leads to tripling down on the penalties for this game. Rafinha with a 28th-minute penalty. Mason Mount tying the game in the 42nd. Jorginho hitting one of his two penalties in the game in the 58th. And then a Joe Gelhart, 83rd minute goal for Leeds, gave them hope for at least a point with the European champs, uh, where a penalty in the 90th minute stoppage time that Jorginho hits gives all three to Chelsea. I will fully admit, I only got to see bits and pieces of this game. Um, so I'm hoping that you can really drive this, uh, truck. All right. I will, because I got a lot to say about this. Perfect. Um, I really wanted none of the penalties for Chelsea to be actual penalties, Obviously. but I think, I think they were, okay. um, they're both on Rudiger, which is hilarious to me. Um, I thought, I mean, Mateus clicked the last penalty. Mateus clicked literally just 
kicks him in the back of the legs yeah. in the box. Really fucking I stupid. Didn't see this one. Um, yeah, minutes away from a win or a, a draw. Sorry. Um, I'm I'm fully out on the idea that, at least for right now, that Chelsea are a title contender because they looked their strong suit def- defense. They looked terrible. They took advantage of a poor defensive team and bad mistakes by Leeds. Uh, if Leeds doesn't make two horrible mistakes, they win the game, uh, and they at least get a draw. Um, so I am—I really do think that they're going to start falling off because I think they're going to have a little bit tougher games than Leeds coming up, and I think that they're going to flounder a little bit. Um, I, the other thing— Okay. Go ahead, go ahead. No, no, no. no go I, ahead, I go was ahead. just going to say I agree. Um, I have a later point that I want to bring up that that I think is really going to play in the city's advantage here. But go ahead. Um, the last thing I have to say, which I said in the group chat to everybody, mm. um, which I I don't know if my messages go through because you guys never answer me. So maybe <laughs> I'm just talking to myself. Talking to myself. Michael, Michael's um, got a really high usage rate in the group chat. I do. Uh, I cannot fucking stand Rudiger because nothing annoys me more than a dude who puffs his chest out and talks all that shit and is the first one to 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 insert himself into something that isn't has nothing to do with him and then also rolls around on the ground whining and and smiling that he got away with the penalty and stuff. I think he is such he's really good. I'm not that's has nothing to do with how good he is. I think he is just the exact type of player that if he's not on your team, you fucking hate he's him. He's the Draymond Green of the Premier League. He is truly the Draymond Green, uh, unless you're a Warriors fan, obviously. Yeah. Unless you're a Chelsea fan. Yeah. But, dude, I cannot... He just annoys the shit out of me. I, I actually think Draymond Green is a Chelsea fan, too, which uh, plays into it. I think I've seen that jersey somewhere. Um, Interesting stat, because there's different, there's different groups in our foursome here for this podcast where it's like, Dylan and I, we're going to put money into Arsenal before we put money into United. You and Nick, obviously. You and I, anti-Chelsea as much as possible. Any Anytime we can do this, we do it. It's going to be interesting to see the breakdown of their goals that are not by defenders and not penalties, and maybe even not penalties that are drawn by defenders. Right. Like, open play goals, is it just Pulisic and Mount? I think that's it. I mean, Mount Mount coming back is the only reason they're, they've drawn and won the past couple games. I mean, I I also I was big time feeling bad for Timo Werner about how he's getting treated. Whatever, I think he might actually stink. Yeah, I don't think he's very good. Also, I don't think the style caters to him very well. But to and again, in his defense, the style is supposed to cater towards Lukaku. Mm -hmm. And granted, he's been injured, but even before that, he wasn't you know doing very well. And I think I think you said at the beginning when Ronaldo went to United that he's not going to score against the big teams, and, and that might be more of a problem with United as a whole than necessarily just him because mm-hmm. they're just not good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, but I said the same thing about Lukaku. I don't think he's good enough to play f- as— f- he was a physical beast in Serie A, and that's because I think it is a far less physical league. Yeah. And I think in a league where sometimes defenders are going to match his physicality, he's going to struggle because I don't think he's technical enough. Agreed. Agreed. Um all right, 
you got the stage again. Liverpool won. Villa nil. Most solid penalty in the 67th is the difference maker for the Reds, and they go back to back with one nil wins in the league. Um, got to be happy about the defense. Mm-hmm. Played really well. Mm-hmm. Villa didn't really have any any chances. Um, again, I think. Unfortunately for for you, because I'm talking to you, I think yours is still the most obvious not pen. Um, I think Tyron Mings was having a great game and then just absolutely lost the plot there. Yeah. Um, but you know, I thought he played really well and um, fucking just talking about another guy I can't stand, but for a different reason. I almost kind of respect it is Emmy Martinez because he just tries to get in your head so much as a <laughs> as a keeper and. I was so happy when Salah put it literally, I mean, it, impossible to save. Yeah. Penalty. And I was so happy because if I was if I was him and Emmy Martinez is pointing to one direction to me, I would have been <laughs> I would have been mind fucked. <laughs> For sure. I would have been absolutely mind fucked. So. You and Mo Salah don't have the same mind and determination to succeed in life. You kidding? Oh, dude. I mean, listen. Listen, physically, we're probably pretty close. Mentally, he's got oh, me by a lot. Oh, yeah. Mo Salah with, like, a, a six-pack. You and him physically very similar. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Emmy Martinez reminds me of the goalie version of um, our, our really good friend, close personal friend, Will Zaha. Um, yo, this is the third podcast, maybe fourth podcast in a row that we're going to say this. I, th- I think Villa's figuring it out. A little bit. Oh yeah, for sure. I I think they're they're now dangerous, and this is going to be a tough team to play for the rest of the year. Um, that's last thing about that. That's actually the best. That was the best case scenario for like Gerard to come back to Anfield. Mm-hmm. Is that he they lose like Liverpool win obviously mm-hmm. if you're like a Liverpool fan, um, but you see him still getting like praise for how they played and how he's turned it around. And I think they're going to be I think they're going to be a little bit like Arsenal. I think the teams that they're they're going to beat or they should beat, they're going to beat. And I actually think they're going to compete a little bit more with the better teams cuz right now Arsenal is basically just getting thrashed by everybody, but um those top teams, I think they're they're actually a tough team to to face. Yeah. I agree. I also want to take a look at this right now. The the signings and the players that 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 Villa have that are, are the most interesting was Ings, Buendia, and then obviously still um, Ollie Watkins. Ings, mm-hmm. three goals, two assists. Buendia, one goal, two assists. And we're doing this on the fly, so bear with me. Ollie Watkins, four goals this year. Like I said, I think that they're just like, they're finally now coming together and figuring this out, and they're not going to be fun to play. Like they just won't. No. be. they're they're not they're not fun to play. And they have guys like John McGinn who annoy the shit out of you, mm-hmm. who are just like workhorses. Ollie Watkins is a workhorse. They're going to press you. They're going to. I think they're actually going to go on a run. And I would like to see their fixture list because I, I think if they get a, a genu like a generous couple games, I think they'll be right back up there yeah. for sure. Very valid point. Like we were just talking about earlier where it's Wolves, good defense, great defense maybe even, and terrible attack it, for the moment. I think that there's good attacking players on Wolves. They just have to get in form. Villa's got a solid defense. Maddie Cash, Ty Mings, yeah. Target. 
Kansa. Kansa. Like, that's a good back line for a mid-table-esque club. And then pair that with a front line that will actually be serviceable and and, and be good there. And Martinez is is good, too. Yeah. as, the six, so. as much as he is annoying, he is you can't deny. Oh him. yeah, he's good. He's good. yeah. I as a goalie, I fucking love him. Yeah. He's hilarious. If you're playing him, you're like, dude, fuck this guy. Like he's so he was taking forever on the kicks. Like he was just annoying the shit out of me. So yeah. Um, Norwich City nil, Manchester United won yet again. The third game in a row, or third out of fourth games, uh, decided by a penalty kick. Ronaldo hitting it. In the 75th minute to be the difference maker for the Red Devils. Um, I mean, again, Nick went 9-0 for predictions this week. So I feel like we can actually sit here and and give him some shit. Uh, I don't particularly find Man United good at all. Listen, imagine... You're Cristiano Ronaldo, and you hit a penalty, mm-hmm. and then you run to the corner flag, and you do the the whole Sioux thing at North City. Yeah, I mean at fucking Norwich, dude. Like, you, th- you think he's ever gonna act like he's been there before? <laughs> I just, listen. I actually, this is a good point, and I I have to think about it. Anybody that has like a choreographed celebration, yeah, I kind of hate. Like I. I Unless it's, like, a little thing. Like, I mean, not to compare the two, Messi and Ronaldo. Like, Messi just does, like, double fingers in the air. Mm -hmm. Like, that's very subtle. Mm -hmm. If you're doing a whole, like, run-up, like, two long steps, a a jump and a twist back, and the whole stadium is supposed to, you know, yell this thing, I think you're you're lame. I I think you're super fucking lame. I think if you're choreographed, it consistently choreographed celebration takes more than three yards to do. It's tough. It's tough. Because when you said that, the one person in my mind that I wanted to defend right away, and and we don't have this on a visual podcast yet, we don't have a visual medium yet, but you know what I'm throwing up. Oh, Jay Lings. You know I'm throwing Jay Lings up there, and you know that that is the best goal celebration in the Premier League. And the Richarlison, you know, the, 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 what's it called? The pigeon, the pigeon dance. This thing, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, the pigeon dance. Like, if it's memeable, yes, then I'm I'm all for it. But if it's like a serious, like I go to the corner flag and I do this fucking jump spin and I go sue at the end, I'm like, dude, listen, it's a game. Yeah, like, exactly. come on. Exactly. It also doesn't help that he's an accused sexual predator. But you know, that's for another podcast. <laughs> uh, um, also, 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 last thing, um, just on. The predictions. We all did really well in the predictions, and I think you you were telling me like, you know, I'm looking at these games, and it was pretty obvious who was going to win. And we also just sat here and said that four of the teams, City, Liverpool, Chelsea, and United, all won on pens after like the 70th minute by one goal. So it really could have not yeah. went that way if you oh, think it about could've. it. Like it could have not south. Could have went south quick. <laughs> we could have been like four and five. <laughs> Yeah, it could have went south quick. Um, United with three points. As we mentioned at the top, Tottenham Brighton postponed because of COVID. We'll go to the only other nil-nil game um, of the week. Well, that wasn't a nil-nil game, I guess, but the only nil-nil game of the week. And actually, I think a game that the podcast as a whole watched. All of us together watched. Yeah. Um, 
tough. Again, we've said it multiple times. Or we haven't said it. Dylan said this. We got to give Dylan his due. West Ham might just not be built to beat these teams, and they will play up against every top team they can. And and that's maybe just how this team is constructed. Uh, so many opportunities for, like, Declan Rice in the second half. I mean, so many opportunities for West Ham late in the game, and this weren't able to capitalize at all. Right. Um, I think, again, it's a, it's a matter of... I can't remember what game it was I was talking about before, but it kind of just looks like they were waiting for one another to, mm-hmm. to like somebody else to do something instead of like just Mikel Antonio saying like I'm going to try to score or Fornal saying I'm going to try to score Lanzini et cetera et cetera, and not until the second half did they really try to like you know get a goal, and I think if you're playing Burnley at Turf Moor you need 90 minutes. You need to try to score for 90 minutes. You can't take 45 off and then say, like, oh, let's try to save this at the end. Um, yeah. You need you need a full 90 minutes. You need to actually work. And I think the first half, they were just lazy, to be honest. Yeah. the That's the one thing you can't do, and we've said this many times. You can't go into turf more lazy. Also, I'm beginning to believe that when you go to turf more, the first 15 minutes are the most important minutes of the game. Because you just you have yeah. to score, you ha- you have to get a rhythm, you have to score. That's also like a I said this a lot. That's like a duh comment. Like you know you got to get in a rhythm in every game. But when it's Burnley and when there's Ben Me in the back line and there's Sean Dyche just putting eight people in the back, you got to score in the first fifteen yeah. minutes. Well, and I think uh, I think another important thing too is like. You can't have spells of like thirty minutes where you don't do anything. You have to be consistent, like going forward and getting chances. And I think if you sit there mm-hmm. and maybe you get a chance in the fifteenth minute and then you look up and it's halftime and you haven't done anything since, you're kind of like, oh shit, like, yeah, you know, what what are we gonna do now? You know, we just we had a good fifteen minutes and then we just for thirty didn't do fucking anything. So yeah. it's, um, the easiest thing ever to do is get lulled to sleep in turf Moor. That's just the easiest yeah. thing to do. Um, all right. Leicester 4, Newcastle nil. The worst team in the Premier League. I, I still fully believe this. Not even close. Uh, give up four goals to a side that we have in the past two weeks talked about how not very good they have looked. Tillemans with a penalty in the 39th. Open the scoring up. Uh, Patson Daka with a goal in the 57th minute. And then a Yori Tillemans goal in the 81st and a James Madison goal in the 85th uh, kill the game off for the Foxes. Also, mention that Leicester hasn't haven't been very good, still sitting in 8th with 22 points. So we literally know jack shit. Well, I don't think we've been saying they're... I, okay, we have been saying they're not as good as we had predicted they, they would be. Um, and that's mainly been because of their defense. Like they, I think that's their first clean sheet. Yeah. And you, sure. and you might be able to you might be able to look because I only have one source of internet right now, and I'm using it because I turned <laughs> all my all my internet off. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't think that that's the funny thing is like you sit there and you go, James Madison, Yori Tillyman, Patsandaka, uh I don't know who else really was was up front or anything, but those guys right there could score goals. You know, like yeah. they're not 
incapable of scoring. It's always been the defense, and they didn't give up a goal, so they were going to win this game. Um, but yeah, I mean, I didn't think it was going to be 4-0. I thought it might be like 2-1 or you know 3-1 or something, but they yeah they buried Newcastle. Newcastle had pretty much no chance. So yeah, I mean, I think it's been a a down year for for Soyinchu. Um Johnny Evans comes in and looks good sometimes and doesn't look all that great all the other times. Uh, I actually personally think that Schmeichel hasn't been at his best this year either. Uh, and then Mm-mm. I think even more on top of that is they don't have Wesley Fofana until 2022. Like, it, that's a tough yeah. center back to lose. That's going to definitely screw up that defensive cohesion. Um, and again, usually a team that has a pretty solid back line, not having that back line is proving Bad. to make it a little bit more difficult to secure three points instead of, you know, what they what they normally have. Did, so if I don't know if I, this is I don't know if I'm right about this, but did Indeedy play center back that game? He he played CDM, it looks like on paper, but I'm sure okay. that he sunk back in. Well, because like that's you know when we last year when we lost you know Van Dyke and Matip, and you we put Fabinho in defense. He was like actually a really good defender, but not having him in front of two also really good defenders was like the worst thing. And until we like sucked it mm-hmm. up and said, "Listen, we're going to put two guy two defenders back there and then put Fabinho in front of them." That's when we actually started to play well again. So I think I I want to say he was in center back for at least a little bit and I was kind of like, "Oh, when I was watching, I was like, that's the problem right there. Like you need that CDM to like be in front of your defense and you know kind of shuffle people away and stuff so but yeah preaching preaching the choir do you know do you know how many games i had to watch uh uh fernandinho play center back a lot i remember yeah it was a good amount so it's it's the same situation um but yeah lester with all four points newcastle still not very good not the the, the no good and you know what i'm kind of disappointed in St. Maximum had a, a good match rating, 7.5. Is Mickey Almiron just no goals, no assists this year? 6.66 match rating. Oh. He's 27. Like, all energy. Yeah. All he's all he's all energy. Is? He he's not he's not very I, I don't know. I mean, I don't think I think St. Maximin is like far better than him. And I think he has a little bit of the the array in him too, where he maybe doesn't finish off chances as best as he could. Um, but Miggy is just, you know, he he's going in there, he's doing a job, like he's trying to win the ball back, he's pressing, and I don't think they really expect a lot of goals out of him anymore, at least. Maybe when they got him, but not anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, last game of the week, Palace 3, Everton 1, a Connor Gallagher show. Just absolute, like... He is a beast, an amazing player. Yes. Um, Palace get all three. Gallagher in the 41st opens the scoring. James Tompkins in the 62nd give Palace their second. Uh, a Rondon goal in the 70th, pull one back for Everton, and then Gallagher kills it off in the 90th minute for his second goal. Um, this looked like a really, really dangerous Palace team. And like Dylan again, his 
his match prediction's really low compared to everyone else, but he gets these little gems every once in a while. Palace at home, tough. Just a tough team to play yeah. at Selhurst Park. Um, dude, I, I want to have a a little bit of a discussion, even though the internet is acting crazy. Uh, Connor Gallagher. I mean, if you think about guys who he he's obviously on loan from Chelsea, um, first time really playing. Foden, you know, came in last year and is now kind of like a full time starter mm-hmm. for you guys. Uh, you could mm-hmm. look at Mason Mount again. Those are three guys that I think you could make an argument like all really, really good young English, uh, like Cam Winger type players. Um, and I know I'm, like yeah. Bakaya Saka too at Arsenal. Like again, I think Connor Gallagher doesn't really get a lot of credit though because he's at Crystal Palace, but he. I mean, even the passes he was making here and there were great. Like, not just the goals. No, this is, if you're a Chelsea hater like you and I are, this is tough to watch because he's going to yeah. be on that team next year. Yeah, it's going like, to suck. N- no doubt in my mind, he's going to have a position in that Chelsea side uh, for next year. Um, but, you know, I... You know, Palace is my second team. I've enjoyed watching them play. I think Vieira was a great signing. Like, he's turned out to be mm-hmm. a really, really big difference maker at coach, at manager. Um, they're fun to watch. And if they can win a couple games on the road, they might jump up into that top 10 discussion. Um, but for right now, it just looks like they're going to win every game at home for the most part. Yeah. Um, and good thing they have another another one at home coming up. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, before we dive in to our predictions, because I don't believe we're going to really be doing bets on this one. I don't think Dylan sent us anything unless he just did via text. Welcome to the process, folks. Um, I wanted to talk to you about something that I think is still like has not been talked about enough. And it is the fact that in January, every team in the league, except for Leeds, will be missing a key player for the African Cup of Nations. And in January, it's also when there is still some fixture congestion. Mm-hmm. I think that Man City is getting the best out of all of these situations. Um, I would say, yeah, just because like in that position, like in a wing position, you guys have a lot of options. Um, but I think, yeah, I think Mara's, I I mean, he's not a consistent starter, is he? Not anymore. I mean, he comes in and he can be a different maker, difference maker, but it's not like it's, it's, I think it's our deepest position. Like you just said. It, 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 yeah. it is yeah, where exactly. we can afford to have someone injured and have someone gone. Now, the ones that are super important, obviously, Chelsea, Mendy's gone, Zayic gone. Mendy's the big one there. For you, Salah, mm-hmm. Keita, Mane. Arguably, outside of Van Dyke, you're two of your three just most important players. Yeah, 100%. So, uh, um, is the question, like, what the fuck are we going to do? Yeah. I guess, like, what do you think is going to happen? What do you think, like, 
can you, as a Liverpool fan, do you feel confident that not having Kata's at least depth? Like, how well, yeah, do you feel going into sure. January? And I can pull up, I can pull up your uh, your fixtures here. Um, just before looking at any of the fixtures, uh, I mean, it's obviously gonna suck because, like, you know, you're losing Mane, um, who you know, mm-hmm. does a lot, like, he pulls a lot of def- defenders, like, towards him, even if he doesn't score, I think. You're losing Salah, who's, you know, the best player in, in the world right now, like, on form. Um, and then Keita's depth, like you just said, who, he might not start, but there was a period of time where he was starting every game, so he is definitely capable of that. Um, I think if if I were Liverpool, I would, in my FIFA brain, try to make a signing in January, and that could like kind of bolster your offense. But I also think depending on who we play, it might not matter all that much. Um, then again, you know, we just played Wolves are good and so are Aston Villa. So if we play teams that are worse than them, like if we have Southampton for for a game or maybe Brentford or Norwich or whatever, I think we'll be fine in those cases. But if we're playing like West Ham or you guys, I know we play Chelsea on the second, so that I don't know if they'll be gone for that game or not. But I mean, yeah, it could definitely it could definitely be super dicey. So so it looks like you don't have the worst setup here. They the first group stage games on the ninth. You guys play Chelsea on Mm -hmm. the second. I have to assume they're going to stick around for that one. Um, yeah, I hope so. You then play Shrewsbury Town on the 9th for the FA Cup. Okay, should uh, beat them. After that, yeah. After that, it's the 15th that you play Brentford. Now, the group stage ends on the 20th of okay. January. So, depending on if Egypt make it through or Cameroon make it through... Um, or, oh, we lose Matip too. Oh no, Matip doesn't play no, 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 for Cameroon. No, no, no. he doesn't. Um, uh, it's Dan, Senegal, I, Egypt, and Guinea, New Guinea. Guinea. Okay. Guinea, so, yeah. depending on if any of those make it through, the next game is January twenty third at Crystal Palace, which will be tough. That'll be the toughest game, and then. They the finals on February sixth, so you conceivably would have them back February 9th for Leicester. So you're really just looking at Brentford and Shrewsbury Town. So maybe this is not that and, big of a deal. <laughs> and and even <laughs> and even if say say Egypt go through, and say yeah. Guinea Guinea go through and Senegal don't, then we get Mane back. I mean that's huge. Just yeah. getting even, one of them back is, is massive. Even getting one back is, is going to be humongous. Yeah, So and, and I think Firmino should be back in, in January off of his injury. Mm-hmm. So then you're sitting there and you have at least Firmino, Jota, and then Ox, you have Origi, you have Minamino. I mean, there are options. They're not, you know... That's why I don't think we'll do anything is because conceivably we have options, but yeah. at the same time, like... None of them have, uh, maybe apart from Origi, in like, you know, crazy situations. None of them have been consistent goal scorers. So yeah. Um, again, listeners, 
you're learning as we're learning on this podcast. We don't like to do a lot of pre-prep and uh, preparation <laughs> for this. But what I will say, like I mentioned, AFCON runs, starts on January 9th, runs to the 20th. The big game here is January 15th, Man City host Chelsea without Mendy. I mean, I think with Mendy, you beat them, so... I do too, but it's it's just good for the the tabloids. Yeah, for sure. Um, although it would be fucking crazy if Aretha 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 sorry, it would be crazy if Aretha Balaga uh just pulled out a wonder, a wonder performance against you guys and they won one nil. That'd be crazy. Definitely would be crazy. Not really something that I would you know love to have happen. Obviously. Uh, but you know, definitely crazy, Michael. Thanks for putting that out into the fucking ether. Appreciate you. <laughs> um, Welcome. All right, let's get into our predictions. Like we said, it was a good week for the boys across the board. Myself, Michael, and Dylan. I believe we all went seven and two. Nick, the absolute huge Manchester United asshole who got invited to this podcast late and has just been flying goes 9-0. and oh. That means that I myself, I'm sitting at 79-78, and 78, finally over that 500 hump. Michael, really close on my heels now, 77-81. and 81. Dylan, without that 20-point booster that we mention every week, 70-88. and 88. And then Nick, again with that 9-0, and oh, he is sitting at 44-34. and 34. 10 entire games over 500, which is absolutely fucking bonkers. Um, yeah. Anything to add? Can't believe you let him join. It wasn't me. I went on my uh, honeymoon and you guys yeah. said, hey, Nick, you guys want to, you just want to jump in and do this? So <laughs> don't blame me. So it was kind of um, your fault, though, because you, you weren't here. And I haven't forbid I get married. It sucks. Terrible, <laughs> terrible time. <laughs> Um, all right, let's go ahead and dive in. First game of the week. Uh, and Michael, you know, let's stick with tradition just because it's you and I. Go ahead and, and, and start us off with the predictions. All right, we got Manchester United going to Brentford. Uh, Brentford off of the 2-1 win. United off of the win against Norwich. Um, Brentford actually not that good at home, I don't think. So I have Manchester United. I have uh, Man United as well. Obviously, Nick with Man United. Also, the big, big, big call here, and it is like big time Babe Ruth calling a shot. Dylan, Brentford, Man United, draw. Huge call. I don't know if I'd categorize that as a Babe Ruth style shot when he called for a draw. Uh, I think that would be a Brentford win. I uh, was just trying to build it up, you know? You successfully did build it up, though. I will give you credit. Thank you so much. Um, so much. Next game, Aston Villa go to Norwich City. Um, I think Villa are looking good. I have Aston Villa winning this one. I think Villa are looking good. I also think Norwich still not that very good at all, even though <laughs> they look like a better team with uh, which McCullough coaching now instead of Farka. Yes. Um, Definitely an improvement. We got Villa across the board. It is Villa, Villa, Villa with John, Dylan, and Nick. All right. Man City hosting Leeds United. 
Um, I don't think this is going to be a anywhere close to the Leeds-Chelsea game. I think you guys win this easy. Uh, I'm assuming everybody has City, right? We all have City. I never do this, and I'm going to regret doing this. We have a chance to score six goals. You do. I think you might, actually. We, we, we really, we're behind on goal differential right now, too, a little bit. We have a chance to rectify that and score, like, six goals in this game. For sure. Um, all right, this is a good one. Brighton, who have had basically a week and a half off now, hosting Wolves. Um, I'm staying true to my roots here, and I'm going Seagulls. I am also uh, not going Seagulls. Uh, Dylan's going Seagulls because it's tradition in his mind to bet against his own team. Nick's got a draw. The old draw. Uno reverse. Yeah. Nick's got a draw with uh, Brighton and the Wolves, and I am going straight Wolves. I think they look good. I think the, the obvious play here is to go draw, keep going draw until Brighton actually lose or win, but... I'm actually impressed with the last two games that the Wolves have played, and I think it's time for them to actually get three points out of a week. So I'm going Wolves. All right. Next we have Burnley hosting Watford. Um, Burnley at home, so that's something. Uh, I have Watford. Uh, I'm right there with you. It's actually really scary that you brought up that this is at Turf Moor because I did not consider that before. I picked Watford. Uh, Dylan has a draw, which I also think, you know, decent chance of that happening. What we should be paying attention to is that Nick picked Burnley and Nick better at picks right now than all of us. Um, <laughs> and I think that he is going through and, and like he was aware of the Turf Moor jinx. So Nick's got Burnley. I got Watford. Dylan's got to draw Michael with Watford as well. All right. Southampton going to Selhurst Park to face Crystal Palace. Um, I'm going to ride the Eagles' big performance, and I'm going straight Crystal Palace. I'm going Palace. So is Dylan. Two Palace votes. And again, this really freaks me out because does Nick know something we don't? Pulling for Southampton against Palace. Is at home, though, for Palace. It's at Selhurst Park. I think this maybe is where we can right. gain some ground on uh, Nick here in the predictions. Um, agreed. Next, we got West Ham going to Arsenal. Uh, like like Dylan was saying, potentially West Ham getting up for a big game here. Um, I have the Hammers because I just think Arsenal's not that good. Nick with the Hammers agrees with you. Dylan... Actually, with the draw, Arsenal and West Ham, and I, you know, I want to make good on my investment in Gooner football. I'm going with Arsenal. Um, I am not confident in that pick whatsoever, but I'm going Arsenal. So we have a couple games here where we have all three possible scenarios picked, so somebody is going to at least get a win this week. We're not going to we, go we over. Actually, we actually have big time diversity in our picks, and it's going to be the we're going to look back at match week seventeen as to where people caught each other or where the lead was extended. Also, uh, I'd have to run the numbers on this, but Dylan has three draws this week, which I think might be a record for the NAFTA pod. Absolutely, um, absolutely, NAFTA pod record. I don't, I don't know if we're even going to play this game. Uh, Spurs go to Leicester City. <laughs> 
uh, I would like to say, I was actually I was actually thinking that Spurs with all the time off they'll be better better off, but they also all had COVID, so maybe not. Um, I know you haven't made I know you haven't made the the graphic yet, so I'm actually gonna switch and I'm gonna go Leicester. All right, Michael, big into Leicester. Dylan and I are running with Spurs, and Nick, again with a draw, really making me wonder if I need to be paying more attention <laughs> to whatever the fuck Nick is guessing. Um, last two games of the week, I just have to assume we all have the same thing. We're going Chelsea and Liverpool, right? Chelsea, Everton. Uh, Chelsea's at home. Liverpool, Newcastle. Liverpool's at home. Uh, yeah, I would. I mean, obviously anything can happen, but I would be pretty shocked if either team lose these games. Um, great predictions. Again, like we've mentioned a couple different times, this is going to be the week where it, it's like golf. Thursday's moving day. Or not Thursday. Uh, Saturday is moving day, right? I think it is. I think Saturday is moving day. Uh, this is going to be moving week. We're going to see some people either catch someone else or just the distance between uh, people's records be even greater. Um, again, no bets this week unless you got one. You got a poor man parlay? Mom's still mad at you? I'm out of the, I'm out of the game, dude, yeah. It's, like, it's the mob. As soon as you think you're out, they're going to suck you back in. Uh, I'm taking a week off from the rich man parlay as well. If Dylan hits us up with some bets, maybe we will post them on our Instagram. That is at NaptaFootball. But... We will leave you with Dylan's recording of his own joke. So, did you hear that CONCACAF invited UEFA to a game night tonight? And they were playing Pictionary, but CONCACAF couldn't figure out what uh, UEFA was putting onto the board. So, they had to do a redraw. Cheers. <laughs>